Welcome back to a brand new episode. I am here with the CEO of the Burnaby Neighborhood House Society. And, you know, CEO is a very, very high position. It is the highest position in a company. And you've managed to get up here and it took you a lot. I just wanted to ask how you got to this. I know it's a kind of a big question, but how'd you get to this position? What it took you and some of the, some of the key lessons you took out from this, from this journey. Uh, well, I didn't mean to become the CEO of Burnaby Neighbourhood House. I grew very much. I grew into the into the position that I have uh, today over the years. So it's been probably about uh, 25 years mm -hmm. um, that I've worked with the Burnaby uh, Neighbourhood House. Um, but my uh, background and my roots are in neighbourhood houses where I participated uh, as a teenager. Uh, at Cedar Cottage Neighborhood House in East Vancouver. And, um, and that was my uh, introduction into neighborhood houses. And um, uh, that was also my uh, introduction into volunteering and into community. And um, from that, my pathway forward was really uh, starting um, in neighborhood houses in Vancouver and working for the Association of Neighborhood Houses. That um, led to uh, practicum in uh, Parks and Rec uh, at um, at that time it was like Fultz Creek uh, Community Center which was a brand new community center at that time and while I was there doing kind of an internship as part of this um, recreation leadership program I developed their volunteer program they didn't have one and so I um, it was a great opportunity learning opportunity to use the skills that I had learnt uh, in, in college and my past experiences to develop a program with uh, you know application form and processes and then placement and um, and then they hired me um, that summer um, to work in the water playground at uh, Falls Creek Community Center um, and then from there I I found that um, I could have stayed with parks like the city of uh, Vancouver, Parks and, and Rec, and, um, but it was casual work, like it was part-time casual work. Okay. And, um, and I was also work, continuing to work part-time at Cedar Cottage, and then Cedar Cottage offered me a full-time job, um, which I accepted, and I was doing, um, working with youth, so I was doing youth uh, leadership uh, program there and so I worked there uh, full-time and so that was the beginning the beginning of my journey uh, and from Cedar Cottage um, neighborhood house I um, a few years after that I got the job of program director at Mount Pleasant neighborhood house and so I applied for that position I didn't get it right away and the reason I didn't get it is because I didn't have a degree and they were looking for um, oh, somebody who had a degree in um, social work for mm -hmm. that position um, but uh, because of my experience I think that they re they rejigged the position like they actually um, came up with two positions and so one of them was a social worker position and then there's another uh, program director which was more focused on on the programs and so I think after a couple of years I got I um, um, 
I was able to get that position. I moved into that role and um, stayed at Mount Pleasant probably for about six years and worked under the leadership of um, David Adair, who was the executive director there. And I would consider him you know, one of my mentors um, over, over the years because I really learned a lot um, from him. And in my role at Mount Pleasant Neighborhood House, I was um, developing programs and um, community programs and um, working with uh, neighbors to develop, to you know, offer um, community dinners. And I learned to cook, I always tell people I learned to cook for like 40 people before I learned to cook for my own family, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, and doing turkey dinners at Christmas time, and yeah. um, it was a really great um, experience. So while I was at Mount Pleasant, I also um, had another mentor, David um, Dave Stevens, who um, had a real um, outdoor focus. So he was actually the executive director of Camp Sasmat. And um, so while I was at Mount Pleasant Neighborhood House, I started to take an outdoor program at Capilano College. And so I took um, outdoor recreation program because at that time I was also working um, with teenagers and taking them to Camp Sasamad and, um, you know, teaching canoeing and uh, hiking and all that. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that that would really complement my uh, community rec um, leadership um, diploma that I had. So I then um, took... Yeah, so I did like backpacking and uh, whitewater canoeing and, and got a um, uh, outdoor, uh, I think it's outdoor leadership certificate with the canoeing option mm -hmm. um, from Capilano College. So I kind of added that to my kind of resume of education. Um, and then also while I was at, um, I think it was at Mount Pleasant Neighborhood House, I... Um, enrolled at uh, um, Vancouver Community College, which um, I think it's still called Vancouver Community College. They had a not-for-profit management um, program, uh, certificate program. Okay. And so that's when I started to hone in more on my uh, management-focused um, um, skills. And I... Uh, um, so... So that education covered, you know, things like um, facility management and uh, the accounting piece of um, of um, not for profits and fundraising and uh, HR and and that. So I kind of added that to my uh, resume of skills as well. Um, from Mount Pleasant uh, Neighbor House, I. Um, saw the opportunity for, uh, there was a posting for um, South Vancouver Neighborhood House. It was a program director position at um, uh, South Vancouver Neighborhood House. So I saw that as um, an opportunity for growth. And, and, um, and then as much as it was really hard for me to leave uh, Mount Pleasant Neighborhood House, because it was kind of like my first like full-time professional job, I, I saw moving to um, South Vancouver neighborhood house, which was a, uh, a bigger neighborhood house. Um, more, it was more of a lateral move. I didn't do it for money. I did it more for the um, experience uh, and ended up at um, uh, South Vancouver neighborhood house for, again, I think it was there for another eight, 
eight years um, managing in that role. I really learned about um, managing uh, contracts, government contracts that um, that neighborhood house uh, had. And again, but always connected to community in, uh, in the work that I've done and um, pulling in you know, neighbors to, to be involved in, in, um, in helping within the, the neighborhood house. Mm-hmm. What exactly is a neighborhood house mm. for, <clears throat> for those who are kind of unsure about you talking about this neighborhood house, neighborhood house, what exactly mm. is a neighborhood house? So a neighborhood house is a, uh, it's a community, uh, community-based uh, organization agency that really is focused on um, pulling in uh, neighbors and, get, and um, getting them involved in, in, in their community, either as volunteers or participating in different um, programs. So a neighborhood house will offer a wide range of programs and services for uh, children all the way up to senior citizens. And, um, but what's unique about a neighborhood house is the way that uh, programs are, are delivered. They're not, um, they're not really um, dished out in terms of, you don't come to a neighborhood house and register for like a program like parks, like a park, a community center, you would go and you would register for a, a fitness class or you would register for, a, I don't know, like whatever classes, art class, right? A neighborhood house is a place you come to be with, uh, with people. It's kind of a community center with a social purpose. And so you come to a neighborhood house because you want to um, meet your neighbor, you want to get involved and the recreation Part of the, the activity is just a tool, a strategy of pulling people uh, together. And so each neighborhood house that you go to would might look a little different, but there is some common um, themes uh, for all neighborhood houses. One is it's uh, low barrier programs <clears throat> in that um, they're typically free to participate. Um, a lot of uh, consideration goes into how do you welcome people? Like how, as soon as you come through the door, how do you make somebody feel welcome right. and, and connected? So that's a key, another key aspect of um, a neighborhood house. It's also the, um, another part of uh, neighborhood houses is really focused on the process of pulling a program together. So you might have a dinner, and, um, but if you can get community pulled in to volunteer to pull that dinner together so they're they're building um, connections while they're doing something good for the community. It doesn't matter if the dinner doesn't taste that great, but it's like, how did you pull that dinner off? And then the people right. that come to the, the, the dinner, right? So that's a, another really important part of neighborhood houses is, I always say uh, people come in the door and um, they may come as participants, but another common theme is, is that increasing engagement of um, of individuals in their involvement in in community. So they come in as a participant, but they leave. They may leave as a leader. Like down the road, they'll end up as a you know coming in and volunteering, uh, maybe leading, and then maybe working. Right. And so that's my path. That that yeah. was my path in how I came to be um, be here at this neighborhood house. But actually. With this neighborhood house, the, there wasn't a neighborhood house in Burnaby, and um, 
And so while I was uh, working at South Vancouver Neighbourhood House, um, my family, me and my family, we um, purchased a home in, uh, in Burnaby, in South Burnaby. Okay. And, um, and then, yeah, I don't know. So I think what happened is I uh, was working at South Vancouver Neighbourhood House in my day job and um, caught wind that there was uh, an, op you know, that there's some community um, residents that were looking for a neighborhood house in, in Burnaby. And like when I worked at South Vancouver, often there was phone calls about from people that lived in Burnaby saying, well, you know, is there a neighborhood house in Burnaby? And it's like, no, but you know, so sometimes people would come to South Vancouver for whatever was being offered there. So then um, in Burnaby, uh, there was a, a meeting, a community meeting, and um, I attended that meeting um, with my husband, who also, I should mention, is uh, we met through the neighborhood houses in that oh. leadership program. Cool. <laughs> and so he also, you know, volunteered for neighborhood houses. You know, he was on the board at Cedar Cottage for a while as a youth rep and then uh, for camp, the camp board. Um, but then I, so we went to this meeting, it was an information meeting, and, and then I just kind of like signed up to help. And, um, and so then I think he ended up with our babies <laughs> and I went to the meetings and, you know, it took, uh, it took quite a while to get the neighborhood house up and going. It was um, starting a not-for-profit society and I remember being around a table like we are right today mm -hmm. and... You know, there was like five of us into the Register Society at that time. It cost $25. So we, we each threw in five bucks. And uh, so we'd have enough money to uh, register uh, with the BC Societies, <laughs> the, mm -hmm. uh, the not-for-profit. And at that time, it was South Burnaby Neighborhood House. And we had a committee. We had a working group. And some were residents. But some were also people who worked in um in burnaby like through like at for the school district or for um, the health department they were employees but they had had this connection and experience of neighborhood houses in vancouver so they knew kind of what the vision was for a neighborhood house and the potential of what a neighborhood house could do for burnaby mm -hmm. um if we uh, were able to set it up but it didn't get set up like right like it took m many years so that would have been in um, uh, 1995 where we started to meet and then it wasn't until 1996 that we registered as a as a society and so that was like so that was a really great experience for me and in terms of starting a not-for-profit and um, and then applying for charitable status. So that's not something I had ever done. That was right. just something I did through research and experience. And, um, and, and then when we applied for charitable status, you would think the work that we were doing was charitable because it's all about helping um, people in the community, many who are, you know, are low income. Right. But we were denied our charitable status so that was a, a learning uh, experience too how hard is it to get sorry that charitable charitable, charitable status, status? Yeah. well it's it was hard <laughs> well it, <laughs> because so what I learned from that experience is it's all in um, 
the words that you use when you're um, applying to the it's a CRA where you get your charitable status. Okay. And I um, and so once we reworked the wording, um, we you know we did get this charitable status, and I believe that was like in by 1999 that okay. we got the charitable status, and that was really important because that meant that we could um, uh, receive donations and give a charitable tax receipt for it, and that oh, we could okay. also apply to foundations to get money. Um, but again, it was really hard at the beginning because we didn't have a location, and so people, you know, it was really hard to um, to build that reputation if you didn't have a location, right? And so people wouldn't give money. We couldn't get money because we didn't have a location, and we didn't have a location because we didn't have money. Um, but we were pretty innovative in the, those days, and you know we used a church basement to do community dinners, mm -hmm. and it was all volunteers, right? There was no staffing, right? I, I did this as a, a volunteer, and everybody that was involved in those in, at that time was also um, a volunteer. It wasn't mm -hmm. until like 1999 that we um, had an opportunity to get some money from a, a bingo hall. In, um, in South Burnaby. And um, so I wrote that application. I'm a pretty good grant writer, is what over the years, that's a skill that I've um, developed and pretty creative too in, in thinking you know, programs through. And that comes from my hands-on experience right. of over the years of working in so many different programs and with so many different um, people. But I wrote a, a, an application for uh, gaming for um, sorry for bing the bingo hall to receive um, funds out of there uh, and you had to show that you were operational for a year and so oh, I um, uh, I was able to do that because we had community dinners in the, the church right mm -hmm. and uh, I said we did information and referral and it was my phone number at home where we did information and referral mm -hmm. and um, we did a we had like a community kitchen program that we had partnered with the school on and anyway once we got that funding then we had money to pay rent and we got a little uh, storefront in South um, South Burnaby mm -hmm. uh, that was about 800 um, square feet and started there that was our point that you know that was the place where we could set up a welcoming neighborhood house so that meant that you had a storefront people could come in drop in say hey what is this place and we could give them information about what's going on in the in the community or we pull them in and you know you want to lead a conversation class well here yeah let's do that right yeah. and and that's the other aspect of neighborhood houses it's very um, flexible and kind of fluid and responsive right I've often talked to people um, other service providers who say that you know neighborhood houses are are very responsive to what the needs are in in the community and and I think that's because we're open to trying new things and pulling people in, right? It's really mm -hmm. about finding the assets in the community and and seeing you know where people's gifts lie, right? And and helping them to share share those gifts. So so that's the start of the South Burnaby neighborhood house, and um, and from there every year we just kind of yeah expanded and and um, yeah, and then the date you know. Our very first um, core program was was a daycare center, right? So we did before and after school care 
Mm-hmm. And um, from there, we expanded to other daycare centers. So right. right. Cool. Fast forward to right today, <laughs> we have um, 12 daycare centers. Wow. And um, three uh, neighborhood houses. We, have, we changed our name from South Burnaby Neighborhood House to be Burnaby Neighborhood House. Um, we initiated a neighborhood house with the community in North Burnaby. So we have one in North Burnaby, we have one here at South Burnaby, close to Metrotown, Scutrine Station. And then uh, a couple of years ago, we um, were asked to um, mer- kind of merge. I say it's merge, but it's an integrated model of not-for-profit service. Three uh, societies, uh, smaller societies in Burnaby, and we were requested. So our board of directors was requested by their board of directors um, to take them mm-hmm. over. And so we agreed to do that. And, um, and so those three societies uh, came with a, a location. And so that's in Brentwood, um, Brentwood area. So we're starting to refer to that as the Brentwood House, uh, where uh, the three societies were Burnaby Meals on Wheels, Burnaby Community Services, and uh, Burnaby Seniors Outreach Society. So over the past couple of years, um, I've worked with the senior, ma- our senior management team and the board to really integrate those three societies into the Burnaby uh, neighborhood house. So it's a seamless um, service uh, service delivery. So so you know now yeah. the organization has um, some federal funding. We get funding from the provi- provincial funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, we rely heavily on uh, donations. We do a lot of right. grant writing. And then the daycare operation is um, is quite big now because of the 12, 12 centers. But at the core of the neighborhood house is the community development piece of work and the people and the neighbors, right, that are engaged and involved. I believe we have, like, annually about 1,200 volunteers that wow. are uh, involved <clears throat> in all aspects yeah. of the organization. What happens when a big company with not a very good reputation or controversial stance decides to donate to a neighborhood house doesn't have to be burnaby could be mm-hmm. just a neighborhood house um is it do you do you guys like take the cash and run or is there a protocol or is it more complicated than than that um so if i'm ever um if i'm ever if i ever hesitant like uh-huh. if, uh, about a donation coming in i would um bring it to the board of um, directors to have the conversation. So it depends on, and so this isn't a new conversation. This has come, this has come up with, um, you know, different, you know, if there's a, I wouldn't say it's a bad, a bad company or could, whatever. Could, could you but share say, their name so or here, no? So say, so here's an example. Yeah, yeah. One was, um, it was a tobacco company, right? That mm-hmm. wanted to uh, make a donation. Yeah. And so when I, um, discussed it uh, with them, they were not, they didn't want their name attached to it. So it wasn't about, it was just a clear donation okay. of, um, of money, right, to help in the community. And they didn't want us, they didn't want any like brand recognition or, or whatever, right? And so in, in looking at that, then um, we happily accepted that, those funds because it was the the motive there was to help the community and right. why wouldn't we right. take the funds to you know help buy food for people or 
or in that case, it was our community hall needed a um, an upgrade or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the board, uh, it it it's it's a tricky um, uh, position to be in. But the stance of the board of directors when we've had these conversations um, is really, what's the motive there for giving the money and why wouldn't we take the money um, to help to better the, the community and help, help the community? Um, unless that money was like illegally uh, solicited. But would, would you know that it was illegally solicited or money laundering and they were just trying to write it off as taxes? or? I think we would probably know. Yeah. I, I don't know okay. how we would know, but you know. <laughs> yeah, and of course we would not take money that was like bad, right. bad right. money, right? We but that's have, if you know that it was if, bad money. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, <laughs> um, but more recently, our you know the funds. So here's an, an example. Yeah. Here's an example: is we have um, a building, a development um, next door, Belford Properties built a, a tower next door to the building here. Um, but what was there prior was a um, low-rise uh, condo where people got evicted. So the oh. whole dem evictions um, was in the news over the past like five years, five, ten years, right? And so that um, building got demolished, but there was people that got dem evicted, right? And so Belford Properties um, approached us because they wanted no actually they had approached um, the local school right but the local school did not feel like they could take that money because it was their families some of their families that had been evicted right mm-hmm. so um, they approached us and they wanted to do an art program uh, provide a three-year three-year funding agreement to um, put an art program for children in the community. And so we said, yeah, because that's gonna be good for the community and it would provide us the um, capacity to um, provide, you know, to continue our after school program at that local school where we already had the programming there but we didn't have the funds to continue it. And so it um, ended up being a really great partnership with um, the building the owners of that building that is now towering yeah. <laughs> over the, the neighborhood house. But that's a, um, I think that's a good example of how um, good can come out of the, the development, right? And, and, and that's been the stance of the board. Why would we say no if this is, um, these are funds that would you know, bring better, you know, do better for the community, right? Help people that are in the community. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to the, because um, I'm, I'm kind of interested, or I, I know a lot of people don't know, and it'd be good mm-hmm. for them to know. When you donate to charity, mm-hmm. how does it work with taxes? You can write it off from your income, or yeah. how exactly does it work? So if you, so that there's, it's twofold. So as an individual, if you um, make a donation, so you donate like $100 to a charity, the charity has to be a registered charity. Okay. And you yeah. can you can find that out if it's a registered charity by going on the CRA um, charity website, right? They'll have a listing of all the charities. Okay. And um, and so if somebody donates money to us, then we provide them with a, a tax receipt, a charitable tax receipt, 
it has our charitable number on it. Mm -hmm. um, and then you use that tax receipt when you do your income taxes at the end of the year. Um, there, people pay taxes, and uh, um, and if you've donated some money, then you have a charitable tax receipt, and so part of the calculation on your taxes is a deduction, right? So you it um, you deduct that, and it lowers the income that you have that you have to pay taxes on. So you pay less taxes. This comes in really handy for um, capital gains, like when people sell a house on the profit that they make from that house, they may have to pay capital gains to the government. Um, and so in some cases, um, somebody might make a really large donation to uh, a charity. So they would rather the money go to the charity than to the government, right? Because then it would lower their, um, their amount, the amount of money that they have to pay tax on, mm -hmm. right? So that's one way in terms of personal tax. If a company donates um, money um, so they could outright donate money and then they can write it I think it's a, a complete write-off right okay if it a cor in their corporate taxes um, but if they spot sometimes you see a logo like you see like an event and it might have like RBC logo on it because they've donated they, they're a sponsor of that event so that's different. That's not a donation. That's a sponsorship. And that would be like a marketing uh, expense, right? Because okay. they're getting something out of it. Yeah. You can only give a tax receipt for a donation if if the company is not getting something personally out of it. Like that makes they're sense. not expecting they're not expecting, you know, to be you know, average they're not expecting advertising. Obviously it provides goodwill and many people might look to see you know a company's social responsibility and you know who do they support and then like i would prefer to support a company that is you know donates to the community right rather than one that that doesn't right, right? most definitely yeah. so that's how that works and then as a not-for-profit charity like a charitable organization at the end of the year we have to report on all of the donations that came in and how we spent them we have to submit like a an ink of a tax filing for okay. for a charity. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And then the government just goes through that to see if you spent it wisely, or well, they will. Um, I mean, they don't pass any like judgment on it, but what they will do is they take a look at well, how much did you spend your whole society, like the organization, how much yeah. went into administration, right, to um, of that charity, and they'll post oh, that, see. right. So they'll they'll post that on the CRA um, website so somebody you can go in and see how much per dollar that you donated went to admin and how much went mm -hmm. to um, makes the it. program yeah yeah what advice would you give to students who are interested in starting a nonprofit or like you volunteering for one mm hmm well I, I think that um, if somebody's planning to go into community and like into working in the not-for-profit sector. I think volunteering is so key. Like getting that hands-on experience yeah, is yeah. really um, important. Like you can go right into school and right into uh, you know university, but I think it's what you do along the way that's really um, impactful and important with um, having that hands-on experience. And so if you're looking at working within a neighborhood house or within a community organization, 
um, my advice is to see how you can um, get involved in, in a volunteer role. And, um, and with that, I think uh, getting involved, like for somebody who wants to be in more of an organizational type of, um, aspect, like I think that um, seeing how you might, maybe even getting a volunteer role on a board of a board of directors would be a great experience mm. um, too. So in my case, I, before I became, I started the not for pro this not-for-profit, I did have some board um, experience. Uh, I think I, I was on the board of the um, BC Canoeing Association. So I kind of understood how boards worked and, you know, Robert's rule of order, right? And, and uh, you know, annual general meetings and, and all that. So mm -hmm. I can't, you know, stress enough how important I think volunteering is in, um, in community and getting that hands-on experience yeah. while you're going to school. Yeah, yeah. I know you have to run really soon, mm -hmm. so uh, I'll get to the last question. Yeah. What is your favorite book and your favorite podcast that either helped you or could help other students or just something, I guess, you like to read or hmm. listen to? Hmm. Um, I'm too busy. Yeah. So I haven't, I don't listen to any podcasts. I don't have the, so I can't really reply to that. In terms of books, I, um, I just, I read books just for enjoyment only when I'm on vacation. Mm. So and you just came I back read, from vacation. I did, so. And I read, I did read a book. I can't tell you who the author was. Um, I can tell you it was about what it was about. It was a, um, I can't remember the name because my memory's really bad. Um, but it was a really interesting story about a, um, a man, the author, it was his story, and he um, came from an abusive um, childhood. And mm -hmm. it was just his story of his triumphs and and um, how he used that to, you know, to help other youth and, um, and wrote this book. So, cool. yeah, it was, a, it was um, inspirational and I did finish the whole thing on the beach of yeah. Mexico in Puerto Vallarta. That's, that's <laughs> awesome, that's My um, job is really busy. My juggling and juggling family and full-time work and, and events in my role. I ha I'm yeah. expected to be at many different um, events and meetings and anyway. yeah so when i retire i'm gonna read great <laughs> yeah yeah no uh reading is awesome if you know take those few minutes in a day pick up a book mm -hmm. read it it helps you um with your writing if mm -hmm. you're a writer you're just in school helps you with grammar it's you know it's a, it's a good way to relax your mind mm -hmm. yeah, sure. thank you very much for coming on it's okay, been a pleasure you. and it was awesome hearing from the ceo of the burnaby neighborhood house society my pleasure thanks for the opportunity thank you mm -hmm.